Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. In this supplemental episode, we're discussing Netflix's latest Hindi offering, the three-part horror miniseries Ghoul, from filmmaker Patrick Graham and starring Radhika Apte. Before we begin, we would like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis people. Matt, we're yes. here with a, another supplemental. I feel like we just released a supplemental episode. Why are we doing another supplemental? Because Netflix keeps putting out pretty good stuff. <laughs> uh-huh. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and you wanted to put off road trip movies? I mean, yes. <laughs> We've already watched a lot of them. We got we got to do some more research. Yeah, but you you got excited by this series launching on Netflix, and you said, you know what? Let's record a supplemental right away. That's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, fans of the show will remember that I'm probably the Hindi horror proponent among the two of us, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I keep, I keep trying to find ones that I like, mm-hmm. and uh, this sounded pretty good. Mm-hmm. And this is the second series that Netflix has released. So we already did a supplemental all about Sacred Games, which we were hotly anticipating. Yeah. It didn't let us down. And in line with, I would say, the rest of what we see on Netflix across their content, across all languages, groups, uh, they really focus on television. Like, they really focus on series. And their film offerings... uh, are kind of are kind of hit and miss, and I would say like so they've also released a couple films, among them uh, Love per Square Foot and Lust Stories. And while we haven't checked out Lust Stories, Love per Square Foot didn't really like it didn't compel us to record a whole supplemental episode. Is what I'm saying. No, we might we might do a roundup of some Netflix stuff at some point, but that yeah. one was just kind of. An average movie. Yeah. I'm still looking forward to seeing Lust Stories, but there's nothing that I've read about it that uh, said, like, we needed to watch it right away because Netflix is strongest when it comes to series. And interestingly, I'm not entirely sure why this project is a miniseries as opposed to a film. Maybe they're just trying to signal quality? (laughs) Um, Maybe. I mean, yeah. Netflix is better known for, like, the Marvel stuff, like... uh, or Orange is the New Black, mm-hmm. which you really like, or... I just feel committed at this point. Yeah, but it, it was, like, pretty big when it started. Yeah. Like, they've got these, what, Santa Clarita Diet was pretty popular. Um, these glow. crime shows. We glow. Love glow, yeah, like Glow a lot. Master of None, we love yeah. Master of None. I think, um, I think they're kind of trying to replace terrestrial TV, mm-hmm. and whereas Amazon Studios is probably doing a better job of putting together movie projects. It, it feels kind of like the movies that Netflix gets are a little bit like bargain basement stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, yeah, I, the distribution of it, I feel like it's trying to adhe- it, make it look more like an event. Maybe, maybe Sacred Games did really well, and they want to show it that way. Uh, one of the most frustrating things about Netflix is they don't actually tell you any you know, numbers. Right. Um, unless something crazy good happens, like every single subscriber watch this or mm-hmm. something like that. So possibly they want to latch onto that model. I don't know. I think this also has a lot of crossover potential. I would say so. I think, you know, fans of Indian content are going to check it out. And I think potentially a lot of fans of horror 
are going to look into it because it's mm-hmm. co-produced, and we're, we're going to get this, but it's co-produced by Bloomhouse, a Hollywood studio. And Phantom, Fousey, is uh, involved as well. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of fans of both of those studios, and this has the opportunity to kind of maybe bring um, some people who aren't necessarily into horror, you know, to check this out, and certainly bring horror fans who've maybe never seen anything Indian, yeah. you know, in um, and get them to kind of, you know, become interested in, in Hindi stuff. So, well, like, this, this has, I'm excited about this. And also, and we've watched it, and, yeah. you know, our excitement has not been dampened in any way. Yeah. And it's something that Netflix also does, and like, I think there's certain um, national TV things that also kind of work as it's a TV show, but it's also basically a movie. Right. Um, so, like, uh, Masterpiece Theater usually picks up things that are kind of made for, like, a a movie. Mm -hmm. Or, like, Doctor Who, for instance, they'll do these little movies that premiere um, in theaters. Well, Sherlock is supposedly the most popular thing on Netflix. And it kind of has a similar kind of short miniseries style yeah, each episode is like an hour and a half or something, and that's yeah. that's what they this essentially like worked movies. out to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and something that presaged all of this, at least for Indian stuff, was when they got a hold of Gangs of Wasaypur right. and divided it up into a TV show segment in air quotes. Yeah, um, into I think eight episodes, something like that. Which it is admittedly a pretty long watch and has been released in like Gangs of Wasaypur mm-hmm. one and two, but maybe this is the means by which they thought would work. Uh, like a lot of Unfortunately, this... I don't think uh, the eight-part series of Gangs of Wasaypur is still available on Netflix. Mm-mm. I'm hoping they'll bring it back, especially um, you know for people who want to to check out more after Sacred Games. Oh yeah, if you're yeah you're into Sacred Games or you like stuff like I don't know Sons of Anarchy or The Godfather, like mm-hmm. all these pretty broy macho things of the West. I mean, Gangs of Wasaypur is definitely pretty broy as well mm-hmm. you, you could enjoy that i felt like they never promoted it that they had it in the same way that we're seeing kind of buzz around both sacred games and google yeah i think they could easily just bring it back and do the same thing i mean if if they can you know get the license to it right that's yeah that's the big thing i think a lot of this is also data driven mm-hmm. um i remember reading about the a history of how Mad Men got made and i think i may have talked about this earlier but the reason why the TV show Mad Men got made was because AMC saw that mid-century modern movies like The Apartment or, I don't know, Roman Holiday or something, mm-hmm. 50s and 60s stuff were really popular. And they thought, well, let's just make our own property that does that. Mm-hmm. And they also did the same thing with, uh, I think it was Lonesome Dove. They realized, right. that, oh, whenever we put a Western on, people like that. Let's make our own Western. Mm-hmm. So Netflix is all data. Yeah. And they must be seeing, you know, maybe short series work, maybe this is the way to introduce content from other countries, you know. So I also think they'll potentially buy things off of studios after the studio has lost faith in it and decides to cut its loss by selling it to Netflix. Yeah, especially in the movies. Cloverfield yeah. Paradox being the big one. Yeah, I don't think we're seeing that as much with the series stuff, mm-hmm. um, which might be one of the reasons why, across the board, the quality seems to be better. They also a seem to be this... made in-house, too. Like, yeah. you know, producers will come to Netflix and try and get a deal, as opposed to a movie where someone just makes a movie yeah. and sells it. Now, I have an interesting question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Netflix isn't the only streaming service that's dabbling in um, 
original Indian content. Yeah, there Amazon, was a good there was a good episode of uh, Shaw's show mm-hmm. about this where you talked to Kathy Gibson about uh, what Madhavan has a show, mm-hmm. to Breathe. Yeah, and I believe they also talked about the Cricket Show on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so Amazon has a couple now. We haven't been interested in checking those out yet, mm-hmm. and I'm just unless someone tells us that they're good. Yeah, and I know that uh, Zoya Akhtar and I believe Rima Kagadi, who just came out with Gold, have a series coming to Amazon at some point. I Interesting. really don't know much about it. Um, based on those names, I'm interested in checking it out. Yeah, but these other two series that they've released, well, I've heard good things about them. I haven't been like moved to check them out in the way that both Ghoul and Sacred Games feel like events. And do you think it's maybe the talent that Netflix is uh, getting? Do you think it's just like the buzz that they're generating around it? Are they just promoting these two series better than Amazon is promoting their stuff to us? I think Netflix probably... Well, a lot of people love Prime, but yeah. I haven't heard a lot of great stuff about the video service itself. And you know, trust me, I'm not a fan either. Yeah. Um, Netflix, I think, is picking good producing partners. Mm. Uh, Phantom and Bloomhouse. I mean, if you want to talk about gritty Indian stuff and then horror, those are two of the most accomplished and also, I would say, cost-effective ones you could go for. Yeah. <laughs> Bloomhouse is extremely cost-effective. That's yeah. like that's Jason Bloom's, I think, big uh, claim to fame, and I think that's one of the, the greatest things that he's done in regards to... Um, the the Hollywood landscape is figure out how to make movies that people want to say cheaply mm-hmm. and have a, a huge return on investment. Yeah, they started I really off admire with... that guy. I don't really like uh, the bulk of the stuff that Bloomhouse comes out with. Every yeah. once in a while, there's like a real gem, like Get Out. Um, but they really butchered Jim and the Holograms, and I can't forgive them for that. Um, <laughs> That's your sticking point, yeah. Jim and the Holograms. Okay. It is. But I really give that studio a lot of credit, and I give I give Jason Bloom a lot of credit. Well, that interview, I forget where it was. Maybe we can find it for the, uh, um, the notes, mm-hmm. where he talks about how to cut corners and make movies on the cheap. Yeah. I notice so many of those tricks now in other things, mm-hmm. like... Um, like if there's a waiter, don't give him lines. Exactly. You don't have to pay him. You, you could, you could <laughs> or you pay, don't have to pay him scale. Yeah, you could pay someone for their body to be present, but as soon as they start saying things, mm-hmm. it costs more. And you'll notice that in all kinds of low-budget fare in Hollywood. I don't think the rules are the same in India. No. But uh, you'll notice that is um, it's, it's a good way to, A, have more people in a scene, but B, eliminate extraneous dialogue yeah. um, and also save money. So let's get into Google. It was released on August 24th, 2018. Uh, Like Sacred Games and other Netflix projects, it gets released simultaneously in 190 countries overnight. Yeah, that's Uh, pretty good distribution. I think that's so exciting, you know, and and it's released, you know, straight into everyone's home. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of like the death of cinema and the birth of streaming, Mm -hmm. but, you know, for... For some things, I really think, like, man, like, this is great. Now everyone can sit at home, uh, you know, on a Saturday night, Friday night, if they have yeah. nothing better to do, uh, or a Tuesday night. Like us. And uh, and and sink their, their teeth into Google. You know, the thing is going to really test this platform and its interest for people who enjoy Hindi cinema is the is the Shah Rukh thing, mm. Bard of Blood. Right. I mean... You couldn't ask for a bigger star 
I, he hasn't done TV in a long time. I mean, he kind of started off there. Yeah, he did start off there. But is this going to be a return to that sort of story, or is it going to be, you know, full effect? Is he going to, like, how much is he going to be in the show? There's huge questions there. And, like, that could potentially be a game changer because, you know, Radha Gopte or Saifali Khan, they're stars. Yeah. They're not, you know, super hit no. mega stars. No. no. Well, only time will tell uh, how that project fares. Yeah. And, you know, we, we don't know until we see it. But this one's interesting because it was directed by a white guy. Yeah, yeah. So it's three episodes, which totals about two hours and almost 20 minutes. And this is where I asked myself, like, why isn't this just a movie? <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I felt like there were things about it that made it feel like TV. I don't think it yeah. felt as cheap as a TV show, but there were certain rhythms to it that I don't think would work in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think that it's... I think people are more willing to take a chance on a TV show than they are on a film. First episode's like half an hour long. So, you know, you could dive in and check it out there. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it pulls you in. It's It's got some mystery. Uh, it's as as we've mentioned, it was a co-production between Bloomhouse Television, Phantom Films, and Ivanhoe Pictures. So we're seeing two uh, Indian studios teaming up with a Hollywood studio to make a really interesting project. And it did initially start out as a film, and then uh, when Netflix came on board with the project, it got um, re reformed into this mini series. It stars Radhika Apte, Manav Cole, uh, who listeners will remember from uh, Tumari Sulu. He played mm. Vidya Balan's uh, husband. Ratnabali Bhattacharji, Mahesh Balraj, Malhar Goenka, and S.M. Zahir. As always, <laughs> doing my best at reading those names. Uh, apologies uh, for any mispronunciation snap snafus uh it's based off of arabic folklore uh ghoul is a type of jinn who uh kind of turns people's you know uses people's guilt and turns it against them uh and takes the form of its victims by eating their flesh <laughs> yeah throwback to pari a little bit also a jinn mm-hmm. yeah yeah this this i feel like I mean, we'll get to this, but I feel like Hindi horror might start to have a moment. Yeah, they might start getting good. Starting to get good. Um, Graham wrote the script in English and had it translated into Hindi. Interesting. He is uh, British, but he's currently based in Mumbai. So he grew up in England, got his film degree there. Uh, because of the economic situation, uh, decided to try his luck and move to India and see if he could make movies there. So he is a white guy. You know, this is sort of like the guy who did the raid movies. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I was thinking that too. Yeah. He had a roommate who was Indian and thought, well, all right, I'll give it a shot there. And he's been making shorts and commercials. This is his first kind of... They um, love British people ma- in India. <laughs> <laughs> this is his first major project. Um, and he had to have translators on set to make sure that uh, actors were saying the lines cor- correctly and also to just communicate with um, his crew. Uh, I think this is awesome. To advertise the film in India, they just painted the ghoul symbol over all the already existing posters for Sacred Games. Clever. <laughs> I think that's so clever. I hadn't realized that that ghoul sin- uh, symbol was like known. 
I don't or, know. Or were they just doing it as like viral marketing of like, I think what's, it's just, what's I, this thing? I think it's just viral marketing. Oh, okay. I think that's, that's super pretty fun. Cool. In Rahul Desai's review in Film Companion, he refer he um, compares the movie to V for Vendetta. Mm-hmm. And that's similar to the painting the V on things yeah. like that. So that's that's cool. Yeah, no, I think that's super fun. And this is Radhika Apte's third Netflix project. She was also in Lust Stories and Sacred Games. Uh, I think this is fantastic because I love Radhika Apte. And she's I'm so a great glad actress, that she's yeah. finding, um, you know, a, a platform, uh, you know, for like to really kind of um, put her work out there. Yeah. Um, but this, there's a great uh, video that Netflix India has put together to, to talk about this, about her starring in Omnipresent. Yeah. And they've changed the name of Netflix to Radflix. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I love Radhika Apte. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not disappointed that she's, you know, continuing to show up in my living room. That, uh, that video that they did, yeah, it's good viral marketing and also reminiscent of, like, uh, Irfan Khan doing the uh, AIB videos. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, just kind of a knowing star persona thing that I think is, yeah, it's really clever. Yeah, I love her. Uh, okay, why don't you uh, set up the plot for this, Matt? Okay, so... We're not going to spoil anything because this just came out. Mm-hmm. We're hot off the presses here, so I'm going to try and be a little bit vague about some stuff. But it's named Ghoul. Come on, <laughs> you're gonna. Ha- there's gonna be a Ghoul. Yeah. Um. But the 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 project. I know we're so used to calling things a film. I think yeah. in our Sacred Games episode, I frequently refer to the TV show as a film. So, and yeah. especially you know, we watched this in one go. It was like two and a half hours. This really feels like a movie. Yeah. So in the uh, near future, uh, India has become a little fascist. Yeah, like a totalitarian society. Yeah. Um, and there's this new um, department, I guess akin to a Gestapo type thing that is cracking down on uh, especially Muslims, but uh, free thinkers, um, mm-hmm. scientists, teachers, that kind of thing. Anyone who doesn't kind of toe the line is deemed a terrorist. Yeah. Nonconformists, that kind of thing. Again, sort of, I think this is where the comparison to V for Vendetta mostly mm-hmm. is, where... Um, yeah, state control is at its height. Mm-hmm. And it's very Orwellian. It's very Orwellian. And even on the walls of the facility later on, there's some um, passages that read very 1984. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this totalitarian society, Radhika Apte uh, is actually working for the feds, basically. Yeah. Um, she's a cadet at this new institution that is trying to keep an eye on everyone. Mm-hmm. And... In a moment that really pissed off uh, Mackenzie, who we watched it with, <laughs> uh, you know, early on, uh, our good friend Mackenzie Fleming, who yeah. is also our uh, resident dungeon master, and also the guy we watched all of uh, <laughs> Gangs of Wasipur with in one sitting, too. and Bahubali, and Bahubali. So he's he's well acquainted with uh, the long films. Uh, but anyway, um, her and her father are driving from. He's driving her back to the academy for this mm-hmm. thing, and they're hassled by some cops. And she has to bust out her badge and say, look, I'm from this new agency. Leave us alone. But later on, um, to prove her loyalty, she actually turns her father into the agency. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, Mackenzie couldn't handle it. And, you know, I agree. It it is a very divisive thing for a main character of a film to do. Yeah. 
Um, to immediately have your protagonist throw her father under the bus. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty um, challenging stuff right off the hop. <laughs> but anyway, um, right at the beginning of the show, uh, a sort of SWAT team is moving into an abandoned hotel where they've heard some uh, terrorists are living. And what they find is a man with a symbol uh, in blood on his chest wander around saying, they're all dead, they're all dead. And they think that this uh, rebel leader named uh, Ali Saeed Mm -hmm. is present. And they find him, and there's probably like 40 dead people around too. Yeah. So right away, I think this is something that Netflix is able to do that uh, traditional Hindi distribution is not willing to do. This this is very violent. It is violent, yeah. Um, You see brain splattering, uh, people getting eaten. um, Where Perry, which we just talked about had to kind of infer a lot of this stuff. There was lots of blood everywhere, but like the baby chainsawing and all kinds of other stuff happened off stage. This, you you see a lot. Mm. So um, that's one that's one thing you can get in Netflix. Yeah, I wouldn't say it is especially kind of gory for the sake of showing gore. I think it really, like I think Graham really understands where to pull his punches. It's also the Bloomhouse tactic of, you know, you can't spend all your money on gore effects. You can't spend all your money on CGI. You have to get a cool set and put it full of actors and, you know, be sparse with it. But even then, it is much gorier than I would say any Hindi film I've seen. Yeah. 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 No, it certainly, like, it packs a powerful punch. And it really does not rely too much on jump scares. Yeah, there's two that, uh, two that I remember in kind of a dream sequence. And... That was one of the things I felt was kind of lacking about it. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. those jump scares were well executed. No? No. I think I think they're used effectively, but I, I wouldn't disagree with you. I think they used more for the story beat rather than the audience shock, yeah. Yeah. Which, which is fine. But, um, you know, I, I could have been scared a bit more. Uh, but the main plot, which you haven't even explained, Matt. Yeah, I'm getting there. So um, <laughs> okay. a- uh, Radhika Apte is pulled out of her... <laughs> um, uh, training in this new, you know, Orwellian police agency to come to a place called Megdut Thirty One, mm-hmm. which uh, we looked up is uh, uh, Arabic. Uh, I'm not too sure. No, I Sanskrit. Know it. It, uh, we looked it up. It's uh, Sanskrit. It means cloud messenger. Yeah, for cloud messenger, yeah, which, which is, is also in that Rahul Desai uh, review. Yeah. So interesting. And she's brought in because uh, she's been trained in interrogation mm-hmm. techniques. And they've been using this Megdu 31 as a sort of black site, like a CIA black site, but for the Indian government, mm-hmm. to try and talk to supposed terrorists about what their next plans are. And they got the big guy, Ali Saeed. Mm-hmm. And they want her to try and extract some info out of him. She's Muslim. Mm-hmm. And... The um, the powers that be think that maybe she can get a little bit of leverage that other people can't, mm-hmm. in addition to being trained by interrogation uh, experts. So she's brought to this awful place. and it's, it's very much like, and I think I think it's supposed to invoke uh, something like Guantanamo Bay. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, for sure. Or Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, and so it's kind of this abandoned warehouse and all of the windows are covered, so both the prisoners and the 
uh, interrogation officers don't know what time of day it is. Yeah, they say that, uh, you know, it kind of screws with your sleep cycle, but you get used to it. Also, they play classical music all day long. Yeah. A plot point that's kind of dropped. But when she gets there and starts interrogating this guy... Things are a little bit uh, different from what they seem. and He is some... not who he appears to be. Yeah, there's something off with this guy, and I think I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and the film, I, I think all three of us, you know, you, me, and our friend Mackenzie, had the same reaction, which was Carpenter. Yeah, John Carpenter. <laughs> we it's are... very similar to The Thing. Yes. Or um, Assault on Precinct 13. Those yes. are the two movies I would pick. Um, both for a bunch of people who don't trust each other, stuck in a place together. Um, and also, who is, you know... Yeah. Who, who, who is it? Who's a traitor? Who, who is it? <laughs> who might be somewhat infected? Prince of Darkness as well. Yeah. People stuck in a zone. But also, I would say, the lighting and the mood and the soundtrack. There's kind of a cool synthy score to this, mm-hmm. which... Um, I mean, this does not come up on this podcast very often, but we love a good <laughs> 80s synth score around these parts. Yeah, I don't know if that's ever come up on this podcast before. But yeah, I, I worship at the altar of George R. Moroder. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite. Um, also, Tangerine Dream. And yeah, this, and Carpenter himself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Carpenter does great scores. Uh, I think Graham is really, really clever, really, really smart, and really, really effective with with what he does here. So it's it's cross cultural. He's he's a Brit making a project in Hindi for Indians, uh incorporating Arabic folklore. Yeah. And it's never rooted, I think And American horror movie tropes. With American horror movie tropes, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think he's really smart to set this in kind of a near future totalitarian India. Like it's really kind of um at on one level, kind of something that we recognize, like this idea of this possible future that we've been grappling with for decades. But by setting in the future, he divorces it from any contemporary political climate, yes. which I think would um, isolate it too much or like make it too related to a certain moment or a certain country. Yeah. He just kind of gives it a speculative quality. And also... Which I I think means that, like, really anyone can engage with it. As long as you either speak Hindi or are willing to read subtitles, anyone can engage with this. And I would say that a uh, white British guy is probably stepping wisely to not comment too much about the current government in India. Yeah, if he was, if this was to take place in modern day and was a complete indictment of the current government, that might not come off too well. No, and he, I mean, he said in interviews, like, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to make a spooky story. I'm just trying to make a scary movie. This is not intended to offend anyone, and I don't know where people would uh, potentially take offense. You know, if this, had been, I, I if this had been screened theatrically, we would have had a very big disclaimer at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and in this, we have none. Yeah, well, and that's one thing about, you know, working in the in the Netflix system. You know, mm-hmm. you you circumvent... Not um, even for old times' sake, have a big <laughs> disclaimer. You know, this film does not <laughs> intend to portray the prison system in such a way as to yeah. offend anyone now living or dead. Something yeah. like that. So it's... It's it's really tight, and I think that this is uh, this is exactly the kind of palate cleanser you need after Sacred Games, which I found very dense and very much rooted in um, recent Mumbai history. Yeah, this one's a romp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that being said, like it's it's 
dark and disturbing and 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 twisty and I you know I I really got into it and I think Radhika Apte uh, is surprisingly emerging as some somewhat of a scream queen. Between, She's the new Vipasha Basu. Yeah, between this and Phobia, Phobia being. Uh, up until this, probably my all-time favorite Hindi horror film. Now, yeah. now it's got some competition. Yeah, this phobia, Pari, mm-hmm. Virana, <laughs> trapped potentially. Trapped, yeah. Considered trapped. Um, as we, you know, as we go through this, we're seeing more and more Indian horror that is actually kind of scary, mm-hmm. which is good. I think uh, Radhika Apte is probably my favorite scream queen. I would say mm-hmm. uh, Anushka Sharma is more of a monster. Yeah. yeah, she she's not the. She eventually will. She's like the final girl, or in Pari's case, the monster. Whereas Radhika mm-hmm. Apte is generally the person being acted upon yeah. in the classic scream queen fashion. Now, in the many interviews that I read with Patrick Graham, uh, one of the things that he said was that he feels like uh, Hindi cinema is only just starting to find. Um, it's kind of a it's it's footing in horror, hmm. and and I you know we haven't seen all Indian horror films or all Hindi horror films by any means, but because um, we've you know for the past three years done an episode on Hindi horror in October and we're gearing up to do another one, I I, I tend to agree with him. Um, well, yeah. the the Shemia Dasgupta book about the Ramsey brothers did say that they were among the first to ever do it. And this mm-hmm. was in the, um, oh, I think it was the 70s or so. Um, like, it, it just wasn't a commercially viable genre mm-hmm. until they were able to kind of crack the code. Mm-hmm. And it's really fascinating to have a horror um, genre that's not so much tied to, like, German Expressionism, silent mm-hmm. cinema, uh, universal monsters. It kind of kicks off in the 70s and 80s and, you know, has all of that to draw on right away. It also adds in slasher movies, also adds in, you know, like TNA stuff from the 70s and 80s into a mix right away, but it didn't really have to evolve over the years. Right. And I think this film also draws from many, many sources right away. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's a fascinating trajectory that you don't see in the Hollywood side. Mm-hmm. I also think this film, this project, this miniseries, really takes the time to develop its characters mm-hmm. um, and really like gets into their uh, internal lives in a way that I don't even find Hollywood horror doing at, at this point. Like you know, I think feel like it's something that that used to be um, that horror movies used to spend time on because in order to like care about these people, you have to understand them. Well, think about Halloween. I mean, the first five, six minutes, you're actually in Michael Myers' mm-hmm. head as a little kid. And then the next like half an hour or so is, you know, he's out there in the distance kind of being creepy, but you're mostly seeing Laurie Strode like go to school, pick up her brother, hang out with her family. You do get quite amount of time to get acquainted with people. And I'd say that the first episode of this, apart from the beginning, you do get quite a bit of time to understand who everybody is, why they're all doing this, and then things get a little weird. It really takes its time to to, to ramp up and kind of get to those, you know, to, to the scares that, you, that you're expecting. Yeah, you can't and go I, crazy right away. Yeah, and I really feel like, like Radhika Apte's character is extremely 
extremely well developed. It's really interesting and not entirely, as we said, not entirely um, agreeable. Mm -hmm. You don't empathize with her after she drops a dime on her dad. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's... That's weird, but it also put, puts you in the mindset of like, well, this is a dystopian future. Maybe maybe our social mores don't apply anymore. Mm-hmm. And I like the way that Graham kind of... I like the way that Graham balances the different points of view of kind of the, the rest of the cast. And so you have Manavkal, who's clearly dealing with the guilt that he's um, kind of chosen um, this path. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like an alcoholic and clearly hates himself. Uh, and then you have this uh, this other interrogator who's very much a foil for Radhika Apte and is constantly testing her. She's like breaking her balls all the time. Exactly. And so both while you're trying to understand like who's the ghoul, I think you're also trying to understand among um, among these interrogators like who's the who's the traitor who's who's the one that's going to break who's the one that's not on board right and the way that the like there's just as much suspicion like the suspicion is doubled throughout the film is what i'm trying to say yeah no one really trusts radicapte no one yeah. trusts each other uh the way that the uh female interrogator the the major who's her uh supervisor she says, oh, yeah, no, I focus mostly on women and children. That's that's my thing. I'm pretty yeah. good at it. But you can go work on that guy. I mean, just that phrase is just like, shit, things have gotten pretty bad, huh? And we, and we as an audience, have to ask ourselves who Radhika Apte can trust. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and can she trust some of these, these prisoners when stuff starts to go down? Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is that this also really reminded me a lot of uh, Day of the Dead. Oh, uh, yeah. Not with zombies, but with a bunch of military types stuck together in a um, pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess someone in their midst that they're experimenting on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, you know, if your forebears include um, John Carpenter, Catherine Bigelow, and uh, George Romero, you know, I think your drawing's from a pretty good well of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I think this is really really smart i mean it's not it's not a full knockout for me like I, I think it's really strong i really enjoyed it and i think part of what makes it work so well is that uh it's centered on an incredible performance like mm-hmm. apte is um is a talent that i think material like this rarely manages to um find find yeah she's got those big eyes yeah and she and she really she really commits. Mm-hmm. And I think she's a fascinating final girl. Can we talk about the final girl concept for a second? Sure. Yeah. So the final girl is um it's a it's a horror concept and it's essentially uh the girl who survives everything, um, who kind of you know, does everything right. Lori Strode from Halloween. Yeah, exactly. And she's the one who kind of gets to face off in a in the end, with your maniac or your monster or Anushka Sharma and NH10, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh, definitely. Oh man, NH if NH10 counts as horror. That's probably the best Hindi horror film. Yeah, but I've personally seen. it's quite good. Yeah, uh, and and here very much Radhika Apte is you know a final girl. You know, mm-hmm. she's our protagonist. She's the one we're following. She's the one who you know, with the exception of. <laughs> With the exception of uh, double-crossing her father, I think for the most part, you know, is is checking off all those boxes of um, behavior that we, ex- honorable behavior that we expect from our final girl. 
Um, I mean, for instance, she's even though she's in the new Gestapo learning interrogation technique, she's still a little bit shocked at the condition that all these prisoners are under. Yeah, she's still questioning things. Yeah. Um, and while I don't want to give too much away, I think that the what they do with her in the end um, is a fun and clearly natural take on on the final girl. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I think it's great. I I you know, it's it's hard talking about a a project like this because, you know, you just have to experience it. I don't want to give anything away. So here's a question. Why did they put this out in August? Why is this not out on Halloween? <laughs> well, I mean, Halloween is a very North American thing. True, true. Yeah, so I it, it may, probably makes no difference in India. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it may have to do with release schedules of movies coming out. Like, if there's nothing big coming out in theaters this week, then they could try and uh, push this out there and see what they get. Yeah, listeners, tell us, like, is Halloween celebrated in India? It's definitely something you could spool up on Halloween. Yeah. I And I think Halloween... Spool like, up. I'm such an old man. <laughs> I think the concept of Halloween is also one of the reasons why horror feels in many ways like a very North American film genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, like horror movies get made all around the world. We love Korean horror movies, for example. Japanese. Um, but I, you know, French. French extremity. Oh, French That's some good extremity. shit right there. But there is something that I find inherently North American about horror. Hmm. I don't know. Well, I, the, need, I well, might need to think about that. Well, the um, I mean, we can think about Ekdi Dayan mm-hmm. or Pari or this movie. There's an influence of myth and legend to it. And in the Ramsey Brothers stuff, I mean, you know, they eventually started ripping off uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. But a lot of the early ones were here's a witch that can body swap or here's a hotel built it on if I remember right, a Christian burial ground. Yeah. Uh, or here's a temple that's uh, got kind of a wolfman monster in it. So it, it is kind of tied to the land in a way. Mm-hmm. So it may not have the commercial sense of here's the fun time where we go spook ourselves silly, but it's also here's a place where stories have existed for thousands of years and we're going to draw upon those. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's pretty cool too. You could think about like the Wendigo idea here in Canada or uh, the way that uh, Ginger Snaps, uh, one of your favorite uh, horror films, ties into uh, Canadian archetypes, especially in the third one, right? Like it's the 19th century or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It can be done here, but it seems like the most successful uh, Indian ones tie into myth and legend in a way that you don't often see as much in Hollywood. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Um, at least based on uh, our current limited exposure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're always trying to find new ones. Kind of thinking snake people for the next one. <laughs> All right, yeah. Let us know uh, what we should focus on for our next uh, Halloween episode in October. Maybe we'll just watch Creature 3D again. <laughs> Give uh give Ghoul give Ghoul a chance. Put on the first episode, see what you think. Yeah, I mean I would say I don't know. A lot of people really have a visceral reaction towards horror movies. Yeah. And I've seen lots of them. I didn't think it was 
overly scary. I think it was pretty creepy, and I thought the world was cool. Yeah. Um, but I may not be the best judge of this for the average person. And, I and do, you especially. You've watched tons of horror movies. Yeah, so. and I do think it's a little different, like, watching it on your, like, TV screen. Yeah, it's, it's less scary. In the theater. Yeah. Um, you don't have to go out to your car afterwards and worry if Michael Myers is going to kill you. Yeah. But I thought this was satisfying. So It's enjoyable. Yeah. Watch it. Let us know what you think. Uh, I think we're going to leave it there because, again, like, it's very, it's very stripped down. I think there is a lot more that we could say about it, but I don't want to give anything away. I mean, it came out like three days ago, so yeah. we definitely shouldn't. <laughs> On the latest episode of the Well Endowed podcast, we hear how a scholarship that was set up in memory of Don Snyder is helping FolkFest volunteers pursue their post-secondary education. We find out how the Terra Center is integrating indigenous cultural learning into its support for young parents. And we learn how Alberta Helping Animals Society is supporting vulnerable Edmontonians by providing care for their companion animals. For more information on the Well Endowed podcast, check out thewellendowedpodcast.com. In ghoul, the titular ghoul can take the shape of its victims by eating their flesh. This is a great notion if, for example, you're not into the villain and you'd like to see a different actor play them. The basic concept of the monster means that many actors get their chance to show off their spooky side, and as an audience member, you never tire of seeing the same lumbering figure in a generic mask. I feel like my network mates at Repodcasting, Jeanette and Lucia, would get a kick out of this concept. On Repodcasting, two cousins recast your favorite and not-so-favorite movies. Each episode, they pick a popular film and suggest an alternate cast to change or improve the movie. While their opinions of my Hollywood boyfriend, Keanu Reeves, are woefully misguided, it's a lot of fun, and generally there are no hurt feelings. No, seriously, I'm not over it. I love Keanu Reeves. For more information about Repodcasting, the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, and the other member podcasts, go to albertapodcastnetwork.com <laughs> Alright, um, so we're going to be back in a couple of weeks with our road trip episode. Uh, in the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? Well, you can find us on Tumblr, uh, bollywoodisforlovers.tumblr.com Facebook, just type in Bollywood is for Lovers at BollywoodPod on Twitter I'm at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S I'm at Ernie Fraser, E-R-N-E. I'm at Ernie Fraser, E-R-N-E, F-R-E-S-E-R. Yeah. Uh, if you're a fan of the show, please leave us a rating and a review on a podcast. We read those out at the top of our regular episodes. Yeah, Audio um, Boom, that's where our show comes out. Yeah. You can listen to it there too. Stitcher, Spotify. Selected episodes are available on G Radio. Uh, also give my uh, other podcast that I do weekly with Paul Matwichuk a listen if you're interested. Yeah, it's called Trash Art in the Movies. This week uh, I just listened to that episode. Pretty good. Thank what was you. It about? It's all about whorehouses. Yeah. <laughs> so we discuss uh, the best little whorehouse in Texas and McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which from is like hor- Paul's favorite movie. From horror houses to whorehouses. Oh, good one, Matt. And you guys have done lots of horror movies on that show too. So. Oh yeah. Um, you could. If you're into horror stuff, you picked up on this one. Check out that show. Lots of good stuff. Trouble Every Day. That was probably the scariest movie I think you've watched for uh, <laughs> um, for that podcast. And I got to say, Trouble Every Day would make this one look like you know, Baby Town Frolics. So, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.